The 26th annual Zero Mental Health Symposium was hosted virtually for the first time this year, which means you can still register and access the content for the next six months. We owe a special thank you to our sponsors who made this event possible, including the George Kaiser Family Foundation, the Anne and Henry Zero Foundation, Public Health Institute of Oklahoma, the Oxley Foundation, and the Maxine and Jack Zero Family Foundation. Learn more or register at zerosymposium.org. When we look at our parents, then we see that behind them are their parents and behind their parents are their parents. And so on through many generations, the same life flows through all of them until it reaches us. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, you'll hear from Dr. Linda Barnum as she presents at the Zero Mental Health Symposium, Healing from Historical Trauma. And I'm excited to share this because it was one of the largest breakout sessions that we offered. Approximately 500 people attended this session. And you can see it for yourself and actually all three days of the virtual conference, including keynotes and breakouts, by registering today at zerosymposium.org. Dr. Barnum is an assistant professor of human relations for the University of Oklahoma. She's also a clinical psychologist and a licensed professional counselor in private practice focusing on trauma resolution. She also runs monthly family system constellations workshops in Tulsa addressing family and community generational trauma. In this episode, we're going to explore how the impact of transgenerational trauma affects our experiences of who we are, how we relate to each other, and how we understand our own traumatic experiences regarding events that happened before we were born. Okay, the mental health download starts now. Um, My name is um, Dr. Linda Barnum, and I'm an assistant professor of human relations at the University of Oklahoma. And most of my life, I've been working in clinical practice, working with trauma and deep relational trauma and how it impacts on individuals and in the families that they come from. And most of the clients that I've worked with over the years are very much aware that sometimes the traumas that they have didn't begin with them. It was as if there's some sense of this trauma that is carried. It could even be something from their mothers, their grandmothers their great-grandfather. But somehow there's a resonance within that. So in this conversation with you this afternoon, I really wanted to talk to you about how we could look at healing, this transmission. And I want you to understand that there's most probably more than one way to do it, but I will be presenting to you a form of a work called Family System Constellation Work. Basically, I think we can start, and we've seen this over the the whole symposium, we all have a form of generational trauma. The very forces in which we're born into life, the inherited fates, the histories of our ancestors, the forces also within our society, the culture, these tend to be uh, what we could feel within ourselves as the fates and forces that then are part of our own family system. They come with life. So what way do we understand that this intergenerational, this, this transgenerational, How does it get passed down? That's a question that I've asked myself. 
Uh, one that not only is a clinician I'm interested in, but obviously in the fact that I'm a daughter and I'm also a mother. So I'm within a generation and that my children will go on to have children. So we've been hearing about how biology, epigenetics, cyclical patterns of behavior, um, learned behavior, observed behavior, these attachment disruptions, how they may show up in addictions, mental illness, cultural traumas, genocides, racism, ways of the structural violence, the institutional ways in which things just become normed and then created. And when we measure them, we, on one level, we can hear about the adverse childhood experiences. We talk in terms about family dis dysfunctions. But for me, the question is also, but how can we resolve? What does that look like at a societal level? And, so, and we've been really looking at that in this symposium. But what does it also look like for the individual? What does it look like for the family, who we are, where we come from? So what are the ways that we could heal? So how can we answer this question? Why do we carry what is not us to carry? All the beliefs about ourselves, other, and the world that go with that carried experiences. I thought I would begin with some mathematics because a lot of people don't quite understand that we're so influenced by our past. So whenever I meet with a new client, I know that, yes, they come with two biological parents, but I'm also aware and I see that they have grandparents who raised their parents, but they would have been raised by a total of eight great-grandparents. And then you start to do the math and you get to see that by the time we've got to seventh generation, generations of people who have brought us here, that will be a total of 766 total ancestors to this point. That's a lot of influence. And that's all coming into a felt sense of who we are. It's a living memory that I want you to think of as being passed on. In the last 400 years or since the 18th century, you would have had 12, at least, at least 12 previous generations, which would have given you a total of 4,094 ancestors for you to be here with me today and for us all to be together. I find that remarkable. Imagine the combined experiences of trauma, triumphs, tragedies, resilience, and unrest solved emotional losses that make up the collective impressions of the people of whom we come from. These are our ancestors and their experiences are embedded in the very heart and soul of our lived experience. Take a moment to think about what was happening then. Go back a little bit in time and you can imagine the felt sense of who we are now. You must probably have realized that I'm not American. I'm actually English. And one of the most interesting things for me and why I became fascinated with this was my memories or my felt sense of the Second World War. I did not sit in a bomb shelter in the way that my mother has told me she did for weeks on end during what was later called the Battle of Britain. And I don't know what war feels like other than some part 
part of me knows about it because both of my parents experienced it. And I think a lot of us, particularly who have come to this country, have gone on to be involved with many different experiences collectively from who we are and how we even got here. Waves of immigration, people coming in from years ago with their histories, either by choice or being forced. But think about what was happening. We can go back and you don't have to necessarily know all these histories that have shaped and been part of our, um, our very uh, DNA at a different level of our sense of who we are. Who were those people, the ancestors that came with their stories before they even came here? What are they and who are they and their survivors who have gone on to experience not only their own individual sense of self, but this transmission at a psychological, emotional level? And how far back do we go before it becomes something that is so real for us or something that we can no longer remember, but they may be the same forces that at some level are influencing us. So I'm going to ask you to just take a very short moment. You could close your eyes if you wish to, but I would like you to imagine behind you, not only your mother, your father, their parents, but their parents and their parents. And if you are adopted, if you actually do not know your biological origins of who you are, or if there's a place of deep disruption, that's still okay because you're here. So for you to get here, as you saw earlier, they were there too. They didn't go away. That imprint, that memory is still there. So if you close your eyes, get a sense of those memories or events. Some you may actively know. Some may be the myths and legends. Some may now be beliefs, stories. In our family, life is hard. In our family, the men leave. There's always been addiction in our family. Children die young. People get abandoned. There's loss. Forces of famines, prosecutions, persecutions, where we've owned people, where we've taken people. They still belong within our sense of who we are. How do we find them? How are we living them? So we begin to notice that we might actually have feelings that have happened or beliefs about ourselves even before we were born. If my mother sitting in a bomb shelter experiencing the terror day in, day out of being bombed as a child sees the world and says it's not safe, she may not have to directly tell me as her daughter when I see the world that the world is not safe. Some part of me might, even though it happened before I was born, that disruption when trauma hijacks a family system and prevents us from really seeing who we are to be in the world with everybody behind us. So these rituals of remembrance, we actually can see often indigenous tribes and people held on to a little bit tighter than what forces within the industrial revolution and deep migration created for peoples that made up a lot of Western culture. We want to remember through our songs, through our oral histories, our traditions, the stories, the legends. So by, by all means, there's ways that if there isn't disruption, there's a natural inclination to stay connected 
to who we are and where we come from. So in this, I wanted to get a sense that there's forces that intersect, that it's not just one simple way that I'm in the world and I'm just purely a product of the socially constructed forces around me. Yes, that's typically happening, we know, in any culture, in any society, but there's something bigger as well. They're the forces and face of my family that are also interacting within that culture, which will often come together to fuse into that form of trauma that is now both family systemic and systemic within the society that we're in. And for some of us, that Venn diagram, as it were, will have a very different, unique overlap. And I think as therapists, when we're beginning to look at our clients and we're opening our lens of understanding that the person in front of us is this unique combination, not only family systemic forces, but in the cultural society systemic forces. I think as therapists, the richness that that's going to give us and our client can bring an easier resolution if there's ways that the two are dramatically intersecting. It's a bigger picture. It's a bigger picture. So I'm seeing the world from the transmission of what my mother, my father may not, may have not resolved. And I'm navigating my family transmission within the cultural transmission and the society that I'm living in. Family system constellation is one of the ways, and I don't believe it's the only way, but I think it's one of the ways to start looking at, well, if we are caught up by forces from the past that are so deep within who we are and our being, what would it look like to try and resolve those in a way that the individual and society can more positively start to inform, as opposed to... I'm in the world because of the trauma that happens within my family system. So I continue to be in the world in that same way. That doesn't allow me to be an agent of change, to heal, to resolve, or be different with those who I interact. I'm still back in the past as opposed to living in the present. It's if a strange time warp is preventing us as individuals and society from moving into the healing that we each need to move forward. So Bert Hellinger is the founder of family system constellation work. He was a psychotherapist. His history is interesting. He actually grew up um, in Germany just during the rise of the um, uh, Nazi party, but because of his background and family that um, kept him in um, Catholic seminary. He was able to escape some of those forces, move later on over to South Africa, where he worked extensively with the Sulu people and understood and integrated um, indigenous practices into noticing how uh, the Sulu tribes would heal. Everybody in a tribe has to be connected and healed for the tribe to thrive. And there was an understanding of the role of the ancestors. 
By the time that Hanga came back to Europe and was exposed to the developing movement of family system therapy, think of the work of the genius Satir, right? And the way that we were looking at how families were interacting, Hanga was beginning to interact with both of understanding that people were needing to be in a systemic relationship, not only in their immediate family system, but within the family system of who had come before them. And that was very evident looking at uh, the remnants of the Second World War, where he was noticing that the survivors of the Holocaust who had moved to um, America, their children who had not been in the Holocaust also had symptoms of their parents who had been. And this became um, work by Hellinger and some of the other clinicians started to notice, particularly after the Second World War, this phenomenon of what people carry and how it gets carried generationally. So within family systems constellations and this exposure to uh, Sulu practices, Helga created a very phenomenological method to support the individual group to come into what he considered to be the right order with those forces and fates that were coming through into a family system that were unconsciously being played out or influencing the life of the individual. Now, the format of this can be one-on-one or it can be in a group setting. And ideally, today we would have done this in some form of group setting. But um, to the best of my ability, I'm going to describe this format to you so that you could get a flavor of what it actually is to start working with somebody when you begin to open up this lens of understanding that a person may be caught up in forces that are bigger than themselves. So there are principles in this form of psychotherapy. I'm a facilitator in this work, and I've trained for many years um, and facilitate in constellation work. So as a facilitator, essentially, I'm always looking for certain principles. Um, They're kind of like the laws, like physics. They tend to be pretty accurate. And this is cross-culturally. Number one, everyone belongs. We have the deep need to feel that we belong to the tribe, the group, the peoples of who we come from. A disruption in that generationally is one of our most deepest transmissions of loss. So in the work um, of belonging to that principle, it includes the missing, the stillborn, children who may have been terminated, excluded, forgotten, people who are no longer can remember that they're still part of who and how we got here. Remember the numbers. It's a lot of people. Um, This work has particular significance too for communities where great disruptions has happened, when there's been stolen generations, where we go back into um, looking at uh, in the Native American communities where children will be taken from their tribe and their family system to be placed into school systems to become educated in English and become essentially white, to lose their identity. 
We also see this in Australian um, Aboriginal tribes as well. Another principle, children cannot be bigger than their parents. It's not an interesting one, but nearly every clinician will be aware of the parentified child, of the child that is actually, instead of receiving from the parent, has had to say, I'll be here or I am there. And that is a disruption in the orders of life. Think about it on many levels. If for whatever reason, my mother is not there because her mother is not there, she's incarcerated or she's, she's lost to addiction, then I, I will try to be there for my mother. So many of the ways that at a biological level, even at the sense of the central nervous system not being fully formed, for a child to have to get bigger than the parent, there's a disruption. But at another level, there's a deep confusion. Because if I'm bigger than my own mother or my own father, and I've had to inflate into that position in life. I'm confused with how I'm actually going to receive life itself. It won't be safe. And I'm having to have to do all the heavy lifting. Not only that, generationally, I'm in the place of my mother or my, my mother's mother. Now I've lost my grandparents. Where do I belong? See how the principles will keep on reinforming themselves. If I've done this and I've actually got bigger than my mother or my father, how am I going to know how to receive? So how am I going to know how to give? I'm going to be out of balance when I go on to have my adult relationships because I won't know if it's safe to receive because I've actually made myself so big I need to be in control or that I'll be doing all the heavy lifting in another relationship because I've gone out of balance. Now I'll be able to say I never get what I deserve in life, but I may not know how to receive because I'm out of order. Simple on some level, but if the trickle down on this becomes very generational because then if I go on to have a child, will they be my parent? Because I'm still looking for, I'm still parenting my parent. So I'm actually facing in the wrong direction. Instead of facing towards my own life, I will be turned back towards looking at my mother and father still with my back towards life, confused again where I belong. So this is an incredible challenge that shows up for people in their belief systems about themselves, relationships, and the world that they're in. So this is how we begin. We typically, if we were in a group and we would have strangers, most probably like you right now, we would actually have the client, somebody who says, you know what, I've got an issue that's not even responding to psychotherapy. I intellectually know what's going on, but I'm still stuck with this sense of, and it may be, I never feel that I can feel safe in the world. I'm not too sure if it's okay to be myself. I'm anxious all the time. I've done CBT, I've done EMDR, but it's almost bigger than me. I don't understand it. So the therapist or facilitator says, okay, this is what's nice about this work. The client doesn't do much. They sit next to the facilitator. The facilitator says this, out of the crowd of people, Two 
somebody to represent your mom, choose somebody you say to represent your dad. And we're going to choose, the facilitator is going to choose the beginning of the lineage where perhaps the origin of the story may have actually started in. So we get this we get this stage now called representation. And this is the most interesting part about family constellation work. And it looks a little bit, um, uh, how do I describe it? I think Einstein's got the best words when he describes things as being spooky. Like you can't quite really uh, qualify or study what this phenomenon is, that you could choose strangers who actually you don't know, that they're going to represent members of your family system. And they're actually going to reveal on your behalf the generational dynamics within it. So that's what we, so it looks like a leap of faith when you do this, that people who know me, and uh, I am a professor and I've been a a, a licensed therapist for many years, I I like evidence-based. So I also like things that work. So, um, and I'm not prone to magical thinking either. So the idea that we can create in a way that's not family sculpting forces that even strangers just in our humanity can pick up what we we believe now, we call it this dynamic field of transmission, because just as we can get it within our family system, we can do it within the collective. And that's a very important point to understand. So my job as the facilitator is to start looking for how this transmission now is going to show up. So we, we would get strangers representing, standing up. We'll begin with mom and dad. And I'm going to ask the, facility, the representatives to forget anything that they've heard and just notice at a level within their body what sensations are taking place or what emotions may be coming up for them. And if people have never done this before, they're very impressed by the fact that they're like, I want to turn away right now, or I'm noticing that I've got a lump in my stomach. And I'm like, hmm, just let's watch what happens with that. So we begin with this image. Like I said, it could be mom and dad. And now they may start to be moving. One get, they may get closer or they could get, go away. They start to say things like, I don't even feel right standing here right now. So I may actually put behind, I may say to somebody else in the group, would you represent the mother, the great grandmother or somebody else or another force that's needed to start this image, this tableau of what are the dynamics, the unspoken forces. So we've got this first stage. It may mean now we are looking for an, uh, an issue that's very deep to the person, a trauma. It could even be everybody, all the women in my family history die young or every man does, or I'm not successful in my work. So we want to discover what is that going on? Is it, a de- is it something that happened so far back that the present generational that we're working with feels adept, even on a, ne- a level of conscience, 
I can't live in this house. I don't feel right about this house. Why? Oh, I've, I've just learned that the house was a house that once Jewish people lived in Germany before they were taken from this house. So how can the next generations thrive if there's been ill-gotten gain? Somebody in the generation says, look, I'm the, I'm the black sheep of the family here. I'm trying to hold and express something that I don't even understand. So it looks like this. So I'm looking for not necessarily sins from the past, but forces from the past that haven't been resolved well. And it can even come down to we, we want to start a business. We, we've got, um, we've, we know the land we want to choose, but somehow nothing's going right. Oh, let's do a constellation with this. Given that we know that we can do this type of work, even with businesses as well and organizations, and then we find out that this land may have actually once long time ago been on land that the ownership, the territory of it, was never the persons who now says it is. So how do we go back and say, huh, how can I remember that differently so that I'm benefiting from the past as well? And that somebody in the next generation is honoring who came first. These are different codes of thinking about things, even within our own family system. But think of the ramifications within our society, too. Otherwise, we may have the burden of somebody's debt and we may be holding it in a way we're not too sure what to do with it. So should I therefore not succeed in my own life or should I pass it on to my children? Because that's what the transmission will look like. So say now that the story is in a vignette of one family system is not only am I out of order and I don't know how to have a relationship with my mother or my father, but it's because I didn't realize that one somebody in my family system is missing and nobody told me that they were put in an institution. And yet I've always known that there was more. There was somebody else who I needed to feel because I'm actually acting out exactly the same way as that person who I've never met. So we give people in the resolution of this work because there's stages. First of all, it's like the facilitator. I'm looking for what is the interruption where love and life have been breached so that instead of health and life coming forward, there's been sickness, there's been illness or psychological confusion. So to actually say to a daughter that may have once been bigger than her own mother and father, to actually allow them to come into place and say, wait a minute, I'm just your daughter. This is my place. Not only puts that person in right order with the parents, but also with the grandparents, the great-grandparents, and ultimately with life. So a person then can shift, and instead of looking in the wrong direction at some piece of fate or the traumatic piece that's not being resolved, okay, well, that's now I have my parents behind me, so now I can step forward in the right position. Not too big, not too small, knowing that I don't have to carry what is not mine. 
So we give, we give people statements, and some of those statements, when in our past, and this can be challenging for people, when it's like, huh, my ancestors committed crimes. My ancestors killed people during war. My ancestors did die during wars. Famines, immigrations, through transportations and slaveries, the ways we've been taken, So now I'm finding my place where I belong. Even though I may not ever see these people, I'm the living embodiment of all what has come before me. But now I can hold it in a different way. Sessions can actually take about an hour, an hour and a half to complete. So I've essentially really um, shortened some of the key pieces that I'll leave us with a quotation. This is from Bert Hellinger. When we look at our parents, then we see that behind them are their parents and behind their parents are their parents and so on through many generations. The same life flows through all of them until it reaches us. This is a very positive form of therapy. Its aim is to allow something that the ancestors would want for us to live well, to thrive. Through all their suffering and experiences, we are here, we got here. So as we look back, now we can take the best of that transmission as opposed to just purely the traumatic transmission.